in faith, we may possess an unending love. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God forever and ever. A reading from the Acts of the Apostles. The high priest rose up and all his companions, that is, the party of the Sadducees, and filled with jealousy, laid hands upon the apostles and put them in the public jail. But during the night, the angel of the Lord opened the doors of the prison, let them out, and said, Go and take your place in the temple area and tell the people everything about this life. When they heard this, they went to the temple early in the morning and taught. When the high priest and his companions arrived, they convened the Sanhedrin, the full senate of the children of Israel, and sent to the jail to have them brought in. But the court officers who went did not find them in the prison, so they came back and reported. We found the jail securely locked and the guards stationed outside the doors. But when we opened them, we found no one inside. When the captain of the temple guard and the chief priest heard this report, they were at a loss about them. So as to what this would come to, then someone came in and reported to them, the men whom you put in prison are in the temple area and are teaching the people. Then the captain and the court officers went and brought them, but without force, because they were afraid of being stoned by the people. The word of the Lord.
sisters and brothers, the Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. Jesus said to his disciples, you are the salt of the earth, but if salt loses its taste, with what can it be seasoned? It is no longer good for anything but to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world. A city set on a mountain cannot be hidden nor do they light a lamp and then put it under a bushel basket. It is set on a lampstand, where it gives light to all in the house. Just so your light must shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your heavenly Father. The Gospel of the Lord. How's everyone? Good. I am too. Doing well. Now, uh, where's Sadie? Thank you for the beautiful drawing. Okay, Sadie gave me this beautiful drawing talking about what I talked about yesterday. So, Sadie, thank you. I appreciate that. And uh, timekeeper, I don't need a timekeeper tonight. You know why? I don't have to get you back tomorrow. See, I only have to be honest with time when I have to get you back the next night. So I can talk and talk and talk and talk and talk and talk all night, which I'm not going to do. But so all of our young people here, you're my timekeeper tonight. If we're here past 9 o'clock, stop me. If you're still here at 9 o'clock, please shut the lights off because you're going to be the last one here. Okay? So we're very good. So happy to be back here with you. We've covered five sacraments. I told you we were going to look at them from a different angle, and I think we have. We're going to continue that tonight. Baptism, where we are somebody. Who are your antresis? How are you an antresa to others? The Eucharist, see what you believe in, become what you receive. The Eucharist, the center of our lives as Catholics. Confirmation where we are sent to do great things because the power of the Holy Spirit is given to us and we are to be that soldier for Christ. The sacraments of healing with the anointing of the sick, healing of mind, body, and soul. Never be afraid of it. And remember, extreme unction is dead. It's at the cemetery. We have a beautiful sacrament called the sacrament of the anointing of the sick. And then the great sacrament of reconciliation, a sacrament where God loves us, forgives us, and heals us no matter what. And I hope we will never be afraid. And I hope we will all be like Dismas, Saint Dismas. Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And then tonight we're going to look at the two left, the two sacraments that are left. Holy Orders and Marriage. So, tonight especially, I am going to beg you 
do not, do not, do not, do not get caught up in my stories. Okay? But rather let my story be the springboard for your story. Because when we're going to do holy orders, I'm going to talk a little bit about, I'm going to talk more than a little bit about my story. But I want that story of mine to get you thinking about your story. Okay? For those of us here who have already said yes to our vocation, I want you to think of how you've got to where you are and how you're being faithful each day. To our young people here, our children, our teenagers, I want you to listen tonight. I want you to listen to how Jesus is calling you. Okay? That's the power of tonight, what we're doing tonight. Okay? So, let us start with this gospel. Jesus says, you are the salt of the earth, the light of the world. Meaning we have to use the gifts that are given us. And we have to use them in a way Jesus calls us to use them. Which means we have to listen and then we have to act. Okay? If everyone goes like this, you have no puppet strings on your head. Which means we are not puppets. Jesus calls, but then we have to listen and we have to act. The word vocation comes from the Latin word vocare, which means to call. And every single one of us has a vocation in life. And in the very good traditional way, as Catholics, we believe that all of us are called into one of three vocations. And within each one of these calls, there's other calls. But where they've been called to the, the married life, the single life, or the religious life and different variations between each of those calls. And so well, let's look at that. Let's start with the Sacrament of Holy Orders. And I'd like to share with you this little story. Someone gave me this book at my ordination. It's called The Last Priest in America by a Chicago author named Tim Unsworth. I think it was written in 1992. And it was just 40 different interviews with priests. This was on page one. The seminary he is talking about is Mundelein Seminary, which is the major seminary for Chicago. I was ordained. It's amazing. I've never had to get my cheaters out to read this. I'm getting old, I guess. What do I do without these Walgreen glasses? Okay, here we go. Here, then much better. I was ordained in 1945 after seven years of study under a strict rector. So we don't know who this priest is, but it's a priest that was ordained in 1945. I doubt he's alive. If he was alive, he'd be well over 100 years old. The class went home for a week for first masses at our parishes in what seemed like an endless stream of parties. We returned to the seminary for a week-long reheat before going to our first parishes. But the week of celebrations had unwound my biological clock and I could not sleep. I put on my cassock and beretta and took a late-night walk on the seminary grounds. It was an ideal evening, full moon, cool, and peaceful. Outside the philosophy building, I met Mike, the night watchman. 
Mike must have had the most boring job in the world, walking from building to building during the night just to ensure that the seminarians were safe from all harm. Some of our fathers had jobs like that. They lived in bungalow houses with our mothers, sisters, and brothers, sharing one bathroom and eating red meat only once a week. We young priests had our own small room and bathroom. We ate well. It left us feeling a little guilty. Mike and I chatted about the lovely weather and some other small talk that I have long since forgotten. Of course, he had a brogue. That's how it was in 1945. After a few minutes of soft talk, I told Mike that I thought I'd go back to my room and try to sleep. Mike tipped his hat and said, Well, good night, Father. For nearly 50 years, I've been trying to live up to that tip of the hat. Why do I read this to you? When I was ordained, I was ordained in 1994, on June 11th, and from that moment on, people were calling me father. Older people, younger people. I remember being at a party once, someone says, hi, father, and I'm looking around, where's the priest, you know? And it was me. And I was starting to realize how much I had to live up to the institution of priesthood and all the holy men that have gone before me. And I was a little nervous and a really a lot scared. I can remember my mother, God rest her soul, she said, now, Tom, do I, do I have to call you father? I said, no, Ma, you don't have to call me father. To my three sisters, I told them they had to call me father. <laughs> then they slapped me around a little bit, okay? But do you know that to the day my mother died, in public, she always called me father. At first, I was uncomfortable with it, but then, you know, I said, you know, I know my mother was proud, and I was not going to take it away from her. I would not be a priest today if it wasn't for my mother and my father. I can remember when my mom died, and uh, we were going through her prayer book, and there were two well-worn prayer cards. One was the prayer for the mother of a seminarian, and the other one was the prayer for the mother of a priest. And I know that my mother and father prayed me to priesthood. And I will be forever grateful for that. I remember I was doing weekend work. What that's called is when priests who are not assigned to the parish come in and help. So I was always in a high school. So on the weekends, I would go to different parishes. And I was going to my, where my parents were living at Queen of Martyrs in Evergreen Park. And I would go. I was there for many, many years. I'm still there, actually. And uh, I'd get a call, or he was on the answering machine every Friday or Saturday, hello, Tom, this is Mom. What, what mass do you have? Because she would always come to my mass. After she died, my father never called me. I would go, he would be at my mass if I was saying the mass he went to. Now, he was not unproud. He, he just never called me the way my mother did. So I'm saying that because when it comes to our vocations, our parents play a big part in it, don't they? You know, I always think when, when somebody gets engaged to be married, who are the first people you talk to? Mom and Dad. You know, there's the wonderful tradition of the, the groom 
who will meet with mom and dad to say, may I marry your daughter? So it just goes to show how important parents are. And when you think of your own vocation, how did your parents play into that? And I know not everyone's parents had the same influence, but there might have been grandparents, there might have been other family members, there could have been the neighbor down the street, they're, but they're, they're wisdom people who help us, wisdom people who show us the way. And you know, as you're thinking right now of your wisdom people, you need to know that you very likely are someone else's wisdom person. See, friends, we're all in this together. We are all in this together. We help others and others help us. That's the beauty of our Catholic faith. None of us do this by ourselves. We are all together, and we are all doing it together. And so as we go through this talk today, think of the people who have brought you to where you are, and how are you helping people in your life? And if you're saying, well, I don't think I'm helping her. Yes, you are. If you took that poster home that I asked you to take, you know what I'm talking about? If you took this home and you put it up in your room or your, uh, in the refrigerator or on the bulletin board and you're praying like I asked you to, do you know you're helping? You're their wisdom figure because you're praying. See what I'm getting at? So we're all doing this. We're all in this, folks. And every time you see the Diocese of Rockford poster, the same thing, the exact same thing. People who go before us. I had, you know, several of you that have talked to me over the time here with your connection to the Augustinians through Mendel High School, through St. Thomas High School, some of you through St. Mary's Church. Father Downing took, that took me to St. Mary's Oratory. I've never been there. I've always heard about it. And we have one friar who's still living, Brother Jerome, who was stationed here in Rockford. So I sent him a picture of the church. He said, oh, that was my home for two years. But that was the tradition. And to hear the names. See, that's what it's all about. And that's why the communion of saints is so important to us as Catholics. Everyone in heaven united to everyone on earth. And we're all in this together. All of us. And it's a beautiful, wonderful thing. I love being a priest. I love being an Augustinian. I could not imagine being anything but. I have never, ever, ever been upset. How do I want to put I have never regretted my decision to become an Augustinian. I have never regretted my decision to become a priest. Now, I've had many bad days. I was the principal of St. Rita High School, and all boys school on the south side of Chicago, there were many days I regretted that decision. <laughs> but I have never regretted being an Augustinian or being a priest. I'm going to ask you about your life. Are you living out your call? I hope you don't have any regrets. And if you do, then do something about it. But that's the beauty. I love doing this. And how did I end up here? I ended up here, first of all, because my family was very involved at St. Adrian Parish on the south side. And we were not a, a holy roller family. We were a pretty normal family, just like all of you. And we were always involved. I was an altar boy, just like we have the, the altar boys up here. My sisters were in the choir. 
My dad was a lector. My mother was a chaperone for the teen club. And we all got involved. And what it became was normal for me. And it's where I was somebody, where I felt at home. And that was the beginning of the nurturing of my vocation. And it was the beginning of the nurturing of my four siblings for their vocation to the married life. And it was because we had a good family that was involved. And St. Adrian reminds me a lot of St. Bridget. I'm loving, I'm watching all the, the hospitality and people just talking, eating cookies. How about all the people that brought cookies? Who are all the people that over these three days brought cookies? Raise your hand. Raise your hand. Boy, do we thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Boy, are we so happy for you. But those are things that we'll never forget. And all the young people here, you guys have been awesome, taking care of me by feeding me all those cookies. Okay? And I, I love it. I love it. I love some of the kids, if you notice the wristband table. I believe in the mixed salad style. They believe in sorting them all out, which they all did yesterday. And I love that. That's awesome. I asked one of our little guys here today, I said, what'd you do? He said, well, what if someone wants a color? They have to find it. <laughs> but see, that's the beauty, that they even felt comfortable enough to do it. See what I'm getting at? And so St. Adrian was an unbelievable place. And the priests there were the Chicago Archdiocesan priests, like you have the Rockford diocese priests here and they were wonderful to me they were wonderful and I loved them and there were two in particular Father Jordan and Father Pete who uh, the pastor and the associate for uh, many many of my years growing up one was a pretty good homilist the other one stunk okay <laughs> and I'm not gonna tell you which one but it didn't matter you know what I knew as a kid that they cared for us that's what I knew they cared for us, and I knew that. And it attracted me, and when, you know, like I see the guys serving here, when I used to serve, I'd be looking at the priest saying, hey, one day that's going to be me. And I can remember serving weddings. You know why everyone likes to serve weddings? Oh, well, look at the altar boys, they're all like this. So look, at, look at Joe, he's like, oh, like this, okay? Yes. But I can remember serving, and I was with two other boys, and they were probably looking at the bride and groom saying, that's going to be me someday. I'm looking at the priest saying, that's going to be me someday. And I just remember those priests were great, and I love serving. And I can remember Father Jordan once calling during the summer. It was on a Friday night. He called me and said, Tom, uh, we have a 10 o'clock funeral tomorrow. Can you serve that? And can you bring a couple of your buddies with you? And I said, well, Father, I'd love to. Can you tell me which funeral home? There were two funeral homes in the parish. He's probably asking, why is this 12-year-old kid asking me which funeral home? He said, McPhee. I said, good, I'll be there. Because Mr. McPhee always gave us three bucks. <laughs> the other funeral home said, thank you. When you're 12, you don't like thank yous. You want three bucks. So we get there, and then he's, Father Jordan says, you know, I forgot to tell you, we have a one o'clock wedding. You guys want to stay? Father, for you, we'll do it. What did we know? <laughs> then he says, you know, there's a, th there's a three o'clock wedding. Oh, Father, we're here to serve you. 
that day, we got $3 for the funeral, we got $10 for the first wedding, and $15 for the second wedding. That's $28. That's what you call an altar boy trifecta. <laughs> okay, we hit the jackpot. 28 bucks. So I loved it. I love serving Mass, and I love being in the parish. Was involved in the school, and in the school there was a group of women, along with all the lay people, but there was a group of women, the sisters, and they were the sisters of Loretto, known as the Institute of the Blessed Virgin Mary, the IBVM sisters, and they were wonderful, and I loved them, and they, you could tell as a kid that they liked each other, and, you know, they would have fun with each other, they would joke with each other. Every now and then we heard an argument. We probably weren't supposed to, but we, we did. And uh, I can remember one day, and I was really attracted to them. Now, I don't think I wanted to become a nun, but I was really attracted to them. And one day, it was in eighth grade, I'm out in the playground with my buddy, Dennis Hederman. And when you're in eighth grade, you know, sister would always come, and you got to do all the, the big stuff, right, when you're in eighth grade? Got to do all the errands and all that. So Sister Mary Catherine comes on. She says, McCarthy and Hederman, get in here. So we come in thinking we're going to have to do an errand. She said, I want you to go to the main office and pick up the two office girls. They were the girl, the eighth grade girls, that sat in there and answered the phone while Mrs. Neary, the secretary, had her lunch. So she said, I want you to go pick the two of them up and then go into the convent. And in the dining room, there's a chocolate cake and some milk, and I want you to eat the cake. We said, what? <laughs> I said, go. So when sister said, go, guess what we did? We went. And the school was connected to the convent down a hallway we were never allowed to go down. So here's the four of us walking down this hallway. Remind me of the Wizard of Oz. Remember when the four of them were walking down to go see the Great Oz? And then we walked up the three steps. And we turned around and we said, whoa, we're in the convent. So we went in and we turned and we're walking down. We're looking, wow, they have beds in their bedrooms. Look at this. Oh, my goodness. Then look at the big TV room with chairs. Wow, they even have a bathroom in here. And we finally get to the dining room. And there, just like Sister Mary Catherine said, was a chocolate cake, four glasses, a gallon of milk, a bunch of napkins, and four forks and a knife. So we're sitting there eating the chocolate cake, saying, wow, do you believe this is where the nuns, where they eat dinner, where they eat lunch? We're sitting there eating. And I remember Hederman said, why do you think we're here? I said, all I know is I'm supposed to be in science class, and I'd much rather be in the convent eating a cake. So we ate the whole cake. We went back to class, and we're telling everyone, where were you guys? Oh, well, we were in the convent eating a cake. They said, yeah, right. What were you smoking during lunch, you know? I said to Hederman, I said, I told you we should have left chocolate all over our face. Now, what I found out is this. Sister Mary Catherine had the reputation of being the worst cook in the convent. <laughs> and Sister Mary Keenan, she, she bet Sister Mary Catherine that nobody would eat her cake. <laughs> I don't know what sister bet sister, but... Sister Mary Catherine won, because we ate the entire thing. <laughs> Do you know that I was giving this talk in Wheaton? That's where their mother house was. And Sister Mary Catherine was sitting right over there. She came to one of the talks. And I said, right, sister? And she said, whatever you say, Tom. <laughs> <laughs>
So, do you see why I like these women? These were fun women. They were fun. So I grew up having these wonderful diocesan priests who taught me about priesthood, and I had this, these wonderful women that I now realize talk, taught me about the religious life. Then I end up going, I thought I was going to go to Quigley South, which was the high school seminary for the archdiocese, because I thought I was going to be a diocesan priest. I didn't know anything else. But they had us doing math and science during this summer program, and I'm no good at math and science. I didn't like it. I said, I'm not going to this high school. They're going to make me do math and science. Well, what high school are you going to go to that they don't teach you math and science? So I didn't go there. My brother went there nine years early. I laugh. He goes to the seminary, gets married, and has four kids. I go to the regular high school, become the priest. <laughs> okay, God, you have a good sense of humor. So I ended up going to St. Rita High School, which was the Augustinian all-boys school. There were 1,600 boys when I was there. I didn't know anything about an Augustinian. I know there was one that helped out at our parish, but I really didn't know anything. All I knew is that, you know, all I knew about religious, they couldn't have money. And I wanted money. I wanted a boat, I wanted a car, all this. I said, I don't want to be a religious because then I'd have no money. So I ended up going to St. Rita, and it was right at seven, 1979 when Star Wars came out. Remember? Remember Darth Vader? He was a pretty scary dude. Well, the Augustinians, they were in these long black robes with these big black hoods and this long, scary black belt. Remind me of Darth Vader. And I said, oh, boy. I said, I don't know. I don't want to get hit with that belt. So that's how I got to know the Augustinians. And I had three. I had Father Flaw for algebra. Do you know what he did? I, I was no good at math. I got a 10 once out of 100 on a test, an algebra test. To this day, I don't know how you add up numbers and letters and get more numbers and letters. I think that's algebra. And then Father Flaw took off five points because I used a pen instead of a pencil. So I got a five out of 100. I ended up preaching his funeral. I used that in this, you know, I said, Father, I want to talk about it. Remember when you gave me a five? Okay. So I had Brother Tim for theology and I had Father Brecht for history. Well, then I got to know all of them. One day in Father Flaw's class, he was in charge. The monastery was right across the street. There were 45 Augustinian friars that lived there. And there were 23 in the school. And I remember Father Floss said, would anyone like a job working in the monastery answering the phones? Back then you had to answer the phone, actually. I was the only one that raised my hand. I got the job. Was able to work off half my tuition. And that's when I got to really know the Augustinians, because we were right in front of the elevator, four-story building. On this side was the chapel. I would hear them chanting and singing their prayer together. You know, you have 40 men singing together. It sounded pretty cool. And to a little kid like me, a teenager, it was like, wow, that's cool. And then on the other side was the dining room. So I'd hear them hooting and hollering, laughing, having a good time. And they all had to come to the desk to see if they had any messages. So I got to know them. So one night, it was I remember it was a Saturday night. I'm sitting there answering the phones. And Father Griffin comes by. Father Griffin, if you look up in the dictionary, stereotypical old Irish grandfather you'd see his picture. Rosy cheeks, wafty white hair with the gold-rimmed glasses and a little impish smile. So he comes, he says, Tom, what are you doing? And he must have known that I, I was really bummed out. I said, Father, I'm trying to do this algebra. I said, I just don't understand it. He said, would you mind if I help you? I said, mind if you help me? Here, do it for me if you want. <laughs> 
Well, Father Griffin taught math in our schools for 38 years. He sat down with me, and he would go over the problems with me. And then he said, you know, I want, because I was in the band, and band practice was half hour after school. He said, I want you to come in to me every day after school. We'll sit in the parlor. We're going to go over your homework. I did that. Do you know I never failed algebra? Never got higher than a D. <laughs> but I never failed it because of Father Griffin. To this day, I don't know anything about algebra. But what do I do know? And I'll never forget that Father Griffin made a little kid who thought he was no good know that he was good. And he's one of my heroes. I'm an Augustinian today because he's one of the ones who showed me the way. And I remember after my first year in the seminary, I went, came home and I cut out a, one of the old yearbooks. I got a picture of Father Griffin doing a math problem at the board. It's framed. It's in my bedroom. I see it with also Sister Mary Catherine and Sister Patricia, who taught me second grade and the Eucharist. Who are your Father Griffins? All of us have priests and sisters, brothers, deacons, lay ministers in the church who have helped shown us the way, don't we? All of us do. Who are they? Be appreciative of them. They helped us. They brought us closer to Jesus. Maybe the, who are the ones that are doing it for you now? And so they're so important because that's how I became a priest because it was the sisters who taught me religious life, the diocesan priests who taught me priesthood. And then when I met the Augustinians, I realized I could bring the both together because as religious, we live in community and we work out of that community to serve the people of God. And so I'm very grateful to the IBVM sisters, very grateful to the diocesan priests, and very grateful to the Augustinians. Friends, what about you? What about you? Why are you where you are right now? To our young people, what is God calling you to do? How are you listening? Where are you going? See, that's the beauty and the sacrament of holy orders, which we know is deacon, priest, bishop, and of course we know those three vocations, they're beautiful vocations, but I want to talk about everyone's vocation and how we're all called to serve. All of you who baked cookies, you know you were ministering to us during this mission, and we thank you. You had the ministry of cooking, the ministry of baking, I learned that from one of my buddies who was, uh, uh, he counted the collection at the parish he was in. He said, I'm a minister of the coin. Okay? Where would we be if everyone didn't do their little thing? Each one of us are called to be there and to bring others to Jesus and Jesus to others. When I was young, I was probably about 10 my mother and father brought my dad's aunt, our great aunt, Aunt Margaret, to come live with us. She was in a nursing home. They took her out of the nursing home and brought her to our home. My brother and I lost our bedroom. We had to go sleep on a bunk bed on the porch. And Aunt 
Margaret got the bedroom. What I know now is, you know why they did that? My dad was a union electrician. My mom was a homemaker. By bringing Aunt Margaret in, she paid rent. And it was a way that my parents, you know, we didn't know that then. I know that now. That's how they put all of us through school. And so Aunt Margaret was blind. She was never married. She was a nurse. And she was originally from Ireland, so she had the, the brogue. Well, all of us were assigned to do little jobs for Aunt Margaret. And Aunt Margaret, she must have prayed 20 rosaries a day. I never, this woman, she prayed and prayed, and she had this real big glow-in-the-dark rosary, which my sisters and I would love when the lights, you know, when it was day, we'd go in there and she'd be sitting at the edge of her bed praying the rosary in the dark, and it was like the rosary was floating. Why a blind woman needed a glow-in-the-dark <laughs> rosary, I will never know, but she had it. And my job was I was to vacuum and dust her room. So I'm in there once, dusting, vacuuming. She's on the, t at the edge of her bed. She's, she's praying her rosary. And she said to me in her little brogue, she said, Tom, you are going to be a priest. I said, oh, okay. So I remember going, I said, hey, Ma, Aunt Margaret said I'm going to be a priest. I don't think priests dust or vacuum. <laughs> she said, good try, get back in there. All I can say is when you send a 10-year-old into dust and vacuum, good thing the occupant of that room was blind. And I'm like this, you know, I didn't know what I was doing in there. But Aunt Margaret, I didn't think of her, I, I thought of her, she died when she was 96. And I'm in my, the first year of the seminary out at Villanova, and my spiritual director, he said, tell me about your family. So I said, well, I'm the fourth of five kids, mom and dad, you know, pretty normal, just grow. Oh, and our, our Aunt Margaret lived with us. And he said, who is Aunt Margaret? I said, well, it's my dad's aunt from Ireland, so it's my great aunt, but we all called her Aunt Margaret. And I said, oh, yeah, and she was always praying the rosary. And I told the story, basically, I told you. And you know what he said to me? He said, who do you think she was praying some of those rosaries for? And then it hit me. Aunt Margaret wasn't saying I was going to be a priest. She was praying me to priesthood. And I was like, whoa, that's unbelievable. So when I went home that, at, the, at Christmas time, I found a picture. We didn't have many pictures of her, but I found a picture. She's right there next to Sister Mary Catherine, Sister Laverne, Sister uh, Patricia, and Father Griffin. There's Aunt Margaret. Friends, who are your Aunt Margarets? Who are the Aunt Margarets in your life that pray for you? And then how are you an Aunt Margaret to others? My guess is if you're a parent here or a godparent, a day doesn't go by that you don't pray for your children. You're an Aunt Margaret. For all of us, if we pray for people in our lives, and many of you have asked me to pray for certain people in your life, I have a prayer list. You know how I do my prayer list? When someone says, would you pray for me? I said, I will. I think their name. I said, God, they're now on the list. God, I can't remember the names, but you do. Once I put someone on the prayer list, I just say, God, put them on my list. And I'm going to pray for you every day. And so that's being an Aunt Margaret. Being there for others, showing others the way. Whatever vocation they choose, it doesn't matter. 
whatever vocation, to pray, to pray, to follow your vocation. How many here have ever heard of a man by the name of Henry Ford? All right, the great car maker, you remember him? Do you know it was said that Henry Ford never bought life insurance? So there was a reporter at the end of his life that was, he was giving an interview to. And this young reporter said, Mr. Ford, it has been said that you have never bought life insurance. He said, is that true? He says, absolutely true. He said, Mr. Ford, if I may, why would a man of your stature not buy life insurance? So that's an easy answer. Mr. Ford said, the reason I never bought life insurance? Nobody ever asked me to buy life insurance. Do you know I want to take that same logic into all the people in our lives, our young children, our teenagers, our young adults, middle adults, older adults? Do we ask people who we think would make a good priest, brother, sister, deacon, or lay minister in the church? Do we ever ask them? Do we ever say, hey, you know what? I think you would make a good priest, brother, sister, deacon, or lay minister in the church. Have you ever thought about it? Do you ever ask anyone? And if you don't, I want you to start. Whose church is this, friends? It's our church. Where do vocations to become a priest or a brother or a sister or a deacon or a lay minister, where do they come from? We don't fall out of trees. We come from families that belong to parishes like St. Bridget. And I know there are vocations, and I know there are vocations here in this church. And there might be someone here, and nobody's asking them. And so I'm now going to give you homework. Homework, yes, homework. Here's your homework. Your homework. Your homework is, I'll give you to the 4th of July. You must ask three people who you think would make a good priest, brother, sister, deacon, or lay minister in the church and ask them, have you ever thought about it? Father Tom, I can't do that, but they'll think I'm weird. No, they won't. You know what they're going to say? They're going to say, really, me? Yeah, and then tell them why. And you know what? They're either going to say, yeah, I've been thinking about it, or two, I've thought about it, but I don't think I want to do it. But you're going to make their day. You're going to make their day. And you know, they might one day become a priest or a brother or a sister or a deacon or a lay minister in the church. And then they might say, you know, you were the one that asked me. You were the one. See the power? The power we have. And so I'm going to ask you to do that, at least three people. So when I left, I graduated St. Rita, and I was going to join the Augustinians. And, but I also wasn't sure, because I wanted to be a funeral director too. Remember how I used to like to serve funerals? Mr. McPhee, the guy giving us three bucks, smoking his uh, unfiltered camels at the door of his funeral home. He'd say, hey, kid, come back when you're 16. I'll teach you the business. And that stuck with me. So I had a choice. Do I go to the Augustinians, the Villanova? But I want to be a funeral director. They make a lot of money. I want a lot of money. 
And so I had the application to Warsham Embalming School in this hand and to the Augustinians in this hand. Why I chose the Augustinians at that time was Warsham required one year of college because it was a 12-month trade school. So I said, well, I'll give the Augustinians a try. If it doesn't work out, I'll have my year of college for Warsham. Well, guess what? I still have the application. <laughs> I haven't turned it in yet. Okay? But see, that's the choices. And it's choices, and that's why a vocation is about a call. And we all have the choice. And don't think that our vocations happen by coincidence. I don't believe in coincidences when it comes to God. I believe in God instances. God is the one. I say it at every wedding I celebrate. I said, don't think you're kneeling next to each other by coincidence. It was a calling from God, and you said yes to it. I want to share a story with you. I was... I have a wonderful assistant that works with me in, the, in my vocation office. Her name is Bernadette. Bernadette is invited to her best friend's uh, son's wedding in Cheyenne, Wyoming. So she goes out to Cheyenne, Wyoming. They get married at the cathedral. She knows she takes care of my parish missions. So she talks to one of the priests there. Says, you know, my boss does parish missions. And he said, oh, that's nice, you know, send me information. Yeah, you know, that, okay, it goes out one ear, not the other, okay. Well, so she goes back and she decides to send some information from my website. They decide to invite me to the cathedral in Cheyenne, which I was at four weeks ago. Three years they booked me out. And at that mission at St. Mary's Cathedral in Cheyenne, Wyoming, I met a young man at the coffee hour afterwards, the reception. And he'd said, Father, thank you. It was very nice. I said, nice, thank you. He walked away. We then came back. And he said, Father, I was really touched by this. And, and, and I'm thinking maybe God's calling me. But I'm afraid my age, I'm too old. I said, how old are you? He said, 36. I said, oh, you're not too old. I said, you want to talk? He said, boy, I'd like that. I said, I'm here for the next three days. We met the next day, and a lot of times you meet with someone, they don't show up. He showed up, we talked two hours. Came back the next day, talked two and a half hours. And the, the, the mission started on the Feast of St. Joseph. The cathedral had a 515 Mass. He goes to the 515 Mass, stays for the rosary afterwards, and all these people start coming in. Then the, one of the deacons, because he's a sponsor for someone in RCA, sits next. He said, uh, "Can I sit with you?" He said, "Sure." He thought because it's St. Joseph's Day, there was another mass. He said, "Why are all these people?" And, and was standing room only in the cathedral. He says, "Oh, we have a parish mission." He says, "What's that?" And he says, "Well, why don't you stay?" And he did, and I met him after that. And he is coming for a visit. And he is very seriously discerning. You see how that happened? All because Bernadette said yes to a wedding invitation. 
Do you know what I'm getting from? I can't make this up. That's the power each one of us has. That's the power we have. Don't underestimate your power when it comes to vocation. Someone who, you know, I love at weddings finding out who was the matchmaker. You know? I can remember doing weddings when I'd say, oh, where, where, how'd you meet? They're like this. We met online, but don't tell anyone. <laughs> now, how'd you meet? Oh, we met online. Oh, that's how everyone meets today. But I love that because there's matchmakers. Maybe some of you have been a matchmaker. Maybe you were the victim, or the, I shouldn't say that, the, the, <laughs> the recipient of a matchmaker. See, that's how it works with these vocations. We need people who help us, who show us the way. And every one of us has that power. I can remember telling my friends when I was a senior in high school, I was afraid that I was telling them, you know, I, I'm thinking of being Augustine. I thought they were going to make fun of me. Do you know they became my biggest supporters? We had our 40th reunion last Friday. Every one of oh, Father Tom. I said, you can call me Tom, guys. We went to high school. They go, oh, no, you're our Father Tom. We're calling you Father Tom. How many of them I've married, I've baptized their kids. Sad to say I've buried some of them. But see, that's again what happens. And every one of us has the power. Do you believe that? I hope you do, friends, because it's real. It's real. And so I am so grateful. You know, this stole I'm wearing was given to me by five families in Detroit when I did my pastoral years of seminary. And I think I showed it to you last year. Their five names are in it. And they had this made specially for me. I wear it at every parish mission. You know why? Because last year I promised that I would pray for you. So every time I wear this, every parish, over 250 parishes I've been at, are spiritually embroidered on this stole. And so every, from the last time I was here, every time I wore this, I prayed for you. From this moment on, I'm going to pray for you. I ask that you pray for me. Do you know the power of prayer we have? The power of prayer? I love telling married young couples as I prepare them for marriage. And I always say, when you part from each other, what do you say? It's always, well, I love you, have a good day, whatever, right? I said, how about prayer? Have you ever prayed together? No. Maybe at Mass. I said, okay, we'll start with this. When you part, say you bye, have a great day, I love you, God bless you. You just prayed. Those are three words. You just said, go with God until you come back to me. God bless you. And then start praying for your children. Say, God, send us the children you want us to have. May we be good parents. Because then you're going to be praying for your children every day they're alive. So you see what I'm getting at, friends, how powerful this is? The power of prayer and vocation. Whether we're going to call to be married, single, priest, brother, sister, deacon, lay minister, it doesn't matter. Our calling doesn't matter as long as it comes from God and we're listening to it. That's the beauty of this life. I was ordained a deacon by someone who grew up in the Rockford, well, he grew up in Beloit, but he went to St. Thomas High School. Anyone from St. Thomas? Or remember it? Okay, very good. Remember Bishop McNabb? Anyone? Some of you remember Bishop John McNabb with 36 years a bishop in, in our missions in Peru. He's from Beloit, went to St. Thomas. 
He actually, at the end of his life, lived here somewhere in Rockford. And uh, at my ordination as a deacon and my classmate, he gave us two beautifully wrapped packages at the Mass. Now, I knew I was going to get gifts, but I never in my life thought I was going to get a gift from the bishop during Mass. So the altar boys bring out the two gifts. I'm like, and he says, well, open them up. So I'm opening them up saying, oh, wow, maybe it's, a, maybe it's a stole from Peru. Wouldn't that be cool? Maybe it's an Inca artifact. That'd be cool. So I'm opening it up, and I'm looking at it. I look over at my classmate. Oh. I think this guy's been in Peru too long. I think he's fallen off one too many llamas. And we, we hold him up. It was a dish towel. It's a pretty ugly dish towel, too. Actually, I was supposed to bring it. I forgot it. I would have brought it and showed it to you. But it was, and it had embroidered our initials with, our, with the date on it. And what did your mother always teach you? Oh, thank you. Just, just what I was hoping for. An ugly embroidered dish towel. And then he said, you probably think I'm crazy. I said, oh, my goodness, he can read minds. <laughs> so then Bishop McNabb said, which room in the house shows the most love to others? The kitchen. He says, how many of us, and he was talking to everyone there, how many of us have been given a meal prepared out of love in a kitchen? How many of you have prepared a meal out of love in a kitchen? He says, I'm giving you this dish towel so that you go out and serve your brothers and sisters. I said, this man's a genius. This is probably one of the most thoughtful gifts I've ever been given. And so I use that. And, you know, my first mission I did for Monsignor Knox, he's had me do three of his three parishes, was at St. Mary's in Huntley. You ever been there? So I invited Bishop McNabb. I said, Bishop, I said, why don't you come? Because he's always here. He's, oh, he had a real deep voice. He said, Tom, one of my friends called me. You're using that dish towel again. <laughs> so the bishop, he was sitting like right, right back there. And uh, so at the end of the story, like right now, I said, I'd like to all now introduce you to Bishop McNabb, who gave it to me. And he stood up and everyone, you know, clapped and all that. But that was a beautiful gift. And I don't think Bishop McNabb, when he gave it to me, ever thought that I would tell that story to hundreds of thousands of people around the country. And now all of you are going to tell the story. You know why? Because I'm now going to give all of you a dish towel. It's a spiritual dish towel. So would you close your eyes, please? Good and gracious God, thank you for the gift of all these people here at St. Bridget's. And I ask that you now allow me from my heart to theirs, to give them a spiritual dish towel in the memory of Bishop McNabb. And for all of you, my friends, please go out and serve your brothers and sisters and know that you are loved. Please accept the spiritual dish towel. Amen? Amen. See how this works? This is so cool. And if you want, go out and buy a dish towel and make the spiritual dish towel into a real dish towel, okay? So friends, I am so grateful for my vocation. What about you? What about your vocation? And to our young people here, are you listening? 
Are you listening with your heart to what God wants you to do? I promise you, you follow your heart, unbelievable things will happen. Okay, so holy orders, I kind of covered everything and kind of already been talking about marriage. We all know the sacrament of marriage. It's probably the one we know the most about, okay? Because we know so many people that are married or we're married ourselves. We just know people, okay? And marriage, I love marriage. I love it. I'm not called to it, but I love it. I do over 30 weddings a year, and I'm not assigned to a parish. All the weddings I do are usually former students or friends of mine who ask me to do their wedding. It's such a gift. That's why those of you who went to the 430 Mass on Saturday, you had to listen to me on the recording because I was doing one of my cousin's weddings. And so I love doing weddings, and I do my own preparation. I meet with them, I talk to them, we send them to pre-Cana, I talk about how wonderful marriage is, and I love doing it. Now, most of the time, though, a lot of times, I only know the man, because St. Rita, where I was for 21 years, is an all-boys school. So a lot of times, I don't know the girl, and I get to know her. And I, you know, and I have fun with them. You want to hear how I have fun with them? Well, whether you want to hear it or not, I'm going to I'm going to tell you, okay? I'll say, to the, I'll say to the young man, I say, are you sure you want to get married? Are you sure? Because most likely I've already asked him if he wanted to be a priest when he was in high school, okay? I don't ask you just to ask that. I ask everyone too. And I said, why do you want to get married? Well, she's nice now, but just wait. <laughs> she's beautiful now. Just wait. She'll be coming down the stairs with her hair going out like this, goop all over her face, barping and farting as she comes down the stairs. And if you don't think, you don't think I'm serious, think of your mother. And they're like, oh. <laughs> Why do you want to get married? And then money, you have no more money. Your paycheck goes into her account. She'll give you an allowance. <laughs> and then children, you're going to have children. There's no more money then because all the money's going to go to the children. Then the children are going to grow up and they're going to do stupid things as teenagers. You're going to be calling the principal's office. Say, your stupid kid just did this. You say, oh, I should never have got married. <laughs> I have fun with them doing this. And then I say to her, I say, you sure you want to marry him? Oh my goodness, are you sure? You can do a lot better than him. And she's like, oh. <laughs> so I have fun with them. But they know I'm having fun with them. And I said, you know why I'm having fun with you? Because I love this sacrament. I love it. I love it. I love it. And I love it because my parents were the first teachers of the sacrament. Just like I told you the sisters and the priests taught me, my parents taught me. And they taught me to love marriage, even though I'm not married. And I don't feel called to marriage. But I feel it. So to all of you here who are married, boy, do I have the greatest respect for you. And I think it's awesome. And you know, it's not easy to be married. It's not easy. But then, you know, what about all of you here that are parents? Whether you're a single parent, whether you're a married parent, I don't care, you're a parent. But boy, do you parents. And I'll throw in godparents. Boy, do I have respect for you. You know, people say, oh, Father, you give up so much. I said, yeah, but I've never given up going out on a Friday night to dinner because I have a sick kid. Every one of you parents have. 
I haven't. I have 11 nieces and nephews, and I love them all. Five great and one in the oven. Okay, so they're all coming. And I love them all, and I love visiting them, especially when they're little knee biters. I loved them. But you know what I loved? Saying, bye, I'm getting in the car, I'm going back to the monastery. Okay, I love them though. I love them and, and being able to baptize. I'm baptizing next uh, June 3rd, I think it's June 3rd, my niece, her daughter, and her son. I baptized her, I married her. She was the first person I married that I baptized. And now she's going to be the first person I baptized that I'm baptizing their child. See how wonderful this is? I love marriage. I love it. And all you parents out there, boy, do I love you. And I've been in schoolwork my whole life. So I have great respect for all you parents because, you know, it's not easy. And, you know, children do not come with instructions on the bottom of their foot. Okay? But parents, boy, do I love you. You are awesome. And I want to thank you, parents, for what you do. And, you know, as they get older, guess what? You still got to worry about them, right? So parents out here, thank you. Whether you're a single parent, a married parent, I don't care. You're a parent, I honor you. And I thank you, parents, for what you do. But, you know, then there's different changes in life. And I want to now talk to anyone here who is widowed. So if you are a widow or a widower, you are at a place that you don't want to be. But when you stood at the altar and you said, till death do us part, you did it. And so to all the widows and widowers here, boy, do we love you. Where would our Catholic parishes be without widows and widowers? My dad, God rest his soul, he could be the, the poster child for older widowers. And my brother, who lost his wife at 43 with making him raise four kids on his own, I would put him as a poster child for young widowers and widowers. My dad, I remember driving when he was 85 years old, we're driving down 103rd, and we're going by Queen of Martyrs, his parish. I said, Dad, why don't you go to the senior citizens meetings? They have a club at the Queen of Martyrs. He said, why would I want to go there? That's for old people. <laughs> and he said, be some old widow in there want to marry me. He said, I only had one woman in my life, and that was your mother. I said, okay, I'm just asking. My, my, he never, my dad would get emotional but he never gave up on life. He mourned appropriately, but never gave up. And to our older widows and widowers here, don't give up. Don't give up. Don't give up. We need you. And then to our younger widow and widowers, that's tough. I know what my brother went through, but I'm so proud of my brother. He never gave up. He never gave up. And so to our younger widows and widowers, we need to take care of them. You know what you need to do? You need to say, okay, I am watching your kids and you are going out with your friends on Friday night. No, no, no. I said I'm watching your kids and you're going out. Okay. And we need to include them in everything because they might feel awkward. So to our younger widow and widowers here, boy, do we love you and we need you. But then sometimes things don't work out the way we think they should. And I now want to talk to anyone who's divorced, anyone who's separated.
Nobody gets married thinking they're going to be divorced or separated. Why does it happen? I don't know. That's not the purpose of why I'm bringing it up. But what I want to say to you, if you, are widow, uh, if you are a divorced or separated person, or you know anyone in your family that is, sometimes people think they're not welcomed in church. And I'm here to tell you, you are very welcomed. You are welcomed in this church as much as I am. And anyone who tells you otherwise does not know what they're talking about. And do not listen to people who do not know what they're talking about. To our separated, divorced people, we love you. And I'm going to tell you this, we're here for you. One of the most misunderstood things in the church is the annulment. Oh, do you know the annulment is Catholic divorce? No, it isn't, no such thing. Do you know it costs $100,000 to get an annulment? I've heard that. No, that's stupid, no. Do you know that if your children are, you get an annulment, then they're illegitimate? No, that's stupid. Why listen to stupid people? Don't listen to stupid people. Is there a cost to an annulment? Yes. You know why? Because it involves people's salaries. If you cannot afford it, you pay zero. Nobody is ever turned away. There's no such thing as Catholic divorce. What an annulment does, and please remember this so you can for yourself or talk to people in your life that are divorced. For a marriage to be sacramental, there has to be about five, six, seven steps. If any one of them is missing, there was a legal marriage, but it was not sacramental. It was not sacramental. I met with a man last week to start his annulment process. And as the pastoral minister, I had to talk to him and find out, was there grounds? He says, you know, the week before, I started getting cold feet, and I said, I don't think I should go through with this. But everything was done, the invitations were all set, so that's why I went through it. I said, there's your grounds. Because the priest asked you at the ceremony, have you come here freely and without reservation to give yourselves to each other in marriage? You said yes when you didn't believe it. There's your grounds for an annulment. There was no sacramental marriage. I had another couple, they, you know, I met with them, they were open to children. If you're not open to children, you can't get married sacramentally. So about a year into their marriage, he said, okay, let's have kids. Nah, I don't want any. They were living downtown Chicago, the party life. Nah, I don't want kids. What do you mean you don't want kids? Nah, I just said that. I don't want them. I said, you have the easiest grounds. Of she just lied to you. She lied to you and she lied to me and she lied to God. There was no sacramental marriage. So friends, annulment, there is a marriage. It's legal. Your children are not illegitimate. They're as, as legitimate as can be. So talk to people. If you need to talk to someone or someone in your family, come see one of the priests or the deacons here at the church. They will walk you through it, and no one's going to judge you. Friends, none of us can judge anyone. I'm going to get to that in a moment. But then we have people who are single, and that is what I call the lost vocation. The lost vocation is the single life. Remember Aunt Margaret? Remember if you were here the other day, Aunt Teresa? Aunt Teresa was a single woman. She never got married. It wasn't because she was ugly. It wasn't because she couldn't have a date. She stayed at home till her mother died taking care of her. 
But we loved Aunt Teresa as a single woman. You know why? She was our only single aunt. And we would tell mom and dad, go away, go out, go out on Saturday night, go. You need, you need to go out, go, go. We're like this. You know why? Aunt Teresa was going to babysit, which meant we ordered pizza in. <laughs> Not the frozen one my mother cut with a scissors. She brought real pop. She brought a strawberry whipped cream cake from Hofkin's Bakery, and she taught us how to play poker. <laughs> and she would give us pennies and nickels and dimes, and we'd be sitting there all night eating pizza, eating strawberry cake, drinking pop, playing poker with her money. It was wonderful. And then at the end, when we're done, if we won, we got to keep her money. If she lost, she kind of gave it all back to us. We loved Aunt Teresa. But she could be that way because she was single. She could be part of everyone's family. In a way, a married aunt couldn't be. First time in Vegas, I was at Caesar's Palace. You ever been to Vegas, anyone? Okay, so I'm sitting there, losing all my money. So I get up to leave, and I go up, and I take all my money back from the dealer. I push it all back. He says, what are you doing? Then a big man came. And a big man said, sir, what are you doing? I said, well, I, I lost, and I'm leaving. Well, you can't take that money. I said, Aunt Teresa let me do it. He said, well, Aunt Teresa doesn't run Caesar's Palace. May I give you a piece of advice? If you lose money in Vegas, let it stay, or the big man will come and meet you. So to all of our single people here, boy, do we love you. Boy, do we love you. Where would our Catholic institutions be? without our single people that devote themselves in a way that a married person cannot. And it is a calling. I was given this talk. When you talk the way I do publicly like this to a lot of people, and people wait to see you in the back, <laughs> and they let everyone else go ahead, it's either really, really, really good, or it's really, really, really bad. It was at St. Barnabas Church in Chicago. There was a man like this, telling everyone else, go ahead. So finally comes him and says, okay, which one's it going to be? He says, Father, my name is Bernard. I'm 78 years old. Tonight was the first night I realized I did not let God down. And he started to cry. I said, Wow. He said, Father, I'm a single man. I worked with my dad in our real estate company. He got sick, took care of the real estate company. I still do today. Took care of my mother till she died. And I never thought that the single life, I was actually called to it. And he cried. Bernard and I, Actually, as I'm saying this, I owed him a call. I was supposed to call him today. He's 92 right now, living down in Florida. But we get together every now and then. But isn't it sad that he had to wait 78 years to listen or to hear that he did not let God down as a single man? So to all of our single friends here, boy, do we love you. We need you. Then the last group I want to talk about is our brothers and sisters who are gay. And, and so much needs to be done in our church because we push people out. And I've worked with young people my entire life. 
We as a church need to walk with them, to be with them, not to judge them, but to love them. Bring them to church. Jesus, all we got to do is bring everyone to Jesus. Jesus takes care of us all. St. Michael's Church, Orland Park, Illinois. There was a woman like this at the end. I said, okay, is it real good or real bad? Well, I'm sorry to say Bernard was the real good. Now I got to tell you the real bad one. She said, Father, I liked your talk, but I don't appreciate your homosexual agenda, which is how she said it. I said, excuse me? What are you talking about? Well, you were in there promoting homosexuality. I said, ma'am, all I was promoting is the gospel of Jesus Christ and the catechism of the church. All I said is everyone is welcome. That's what the catechism and the gospel says. I'm not going to judge anyone because one day I'm going to die and I'm going to stand in front of Jesus and he's going to ask me, how did you judge? Jesus is the judge, not me. And she went on and on and she was, she was screaming like spit was flying out of her. I'm like, ugh. And I just said to her, I said, Madam, I don't know, why, why are you so angry? I am not angry! I said, Ma'am, you are an angry person. You are a very miserable person. And she's going on and on and on. I wanted to take the catechism and smash her over the head with it. I didn't. But she was putting words in my mouth that were not there. I said, Jesus is the one who takes care of everyone. All I'm going to try to do is get everyone to Jesus. That's all I'm doing. And I said, Madam, you are a miserable woman. And there's only one good thing about being around a miserable person like you. She said, what's that? I said, I can walk away from you. Have a good day. And I walked away. <laughs> but I pray for her. Because for some reason, she's so angry. And she hates people. I look at the cross. Jesus is the one. Jesus. We bring people to Jesus. He will walk with everyone. And I'm not going to judge anyone. I'm going to bring everyone to Jesus and let Jesus walk with them. So friends, I think I've covered a lot of people. And my guess is every one of us in here has been covered by something. And I'm here to say the sacraments of vocation are about loving people, helping each other, walking with each other, and being with each other in the good times and in the sorrows of life. And when we do that, when we walk with someone, isn't it wonderful? Just to walk with someone. Bring everyone to Jesus. And all, whoever we are, I'm not here to judge anyone. I'm here to love. And I'm here to love Jesus and to love you. And I'm going to love you. You have to love me. We don't have to like each other. We don't have to agree with each other. But boy, are we called to love each other. What did Jesus say, the golden rule? Love God and love your neighbor as yourself. Boy, that's tough. St. Augustine said, you want to go to heaven? Love and do what you will. We have to love. That's the key to everything. We have to love. Can we have all of our young people stand up? That could be our children, our teenagers, young adults, really anyone who's not yet said yes to your vocation. And I love those standing who think they are young. I love that. That's awesome. <laughs> I love that. I love that. I love that. Can we look, friends that are sitting, at all these beautiful young people and all the ones that have been here over the two, other two nights and all who are joining us on live stream? Can you look at these beautiful young people?
And can we say right now, can we promise them that we will walk with them, that we will pray with them, that we will love them and take them to Jesus? So, what do you think? Can we tell, our, tell, tell the young people, tell them what you think. That means clap. Okay. And to our young people, listen with your heart. Jesus will take you where he wants you to go. Young people, we love you. We need you. We want you. So any young people here that did not yet get their cross from me, come on up. That means you, weren't, you were here the last two nights, but you weren't here tonight. Anyone? Some of you don't know what I'm talking about. If you did not get an Augustinian cross from me, the last two nights come to me right now, and I want to hand you one. It's a gift. Thank you. Come on up. Come on up. Don't be shy. How you doing? Good. What's your name? David. 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 You know what? The Holy Spirit might want me to use you. How old are you? 18. 18. Awesome. You look good in black. Thank you. I like that, huh? Good job, buddy. Thank you. Thank you. Friends, that's my story. I told you we were going to look at the seven sacraments from a different angle. I think we did it. Baptism, where we become somebody. Who are your Antresas, and how are you being an Antresa to others? The Eucharist, which we're about to receive in a few moments. The great sacrament of love. See what you believe in and become what you received. The Eucharist that transforms lives. Then confirmation, how we are gifted with the seal of the Holy Spirit to do great things. The sacraments of healing, where we're forgiven. We're forgiven everything. All we got to do is ask. We're healed, mind, body, and spirit. Don't be afraid of the sacraments, but know that they are beautiful. And remember, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And then the sacraments of vocation. Priests, brothers, sisters, deacons, lay ministers, single people, married people, you name the people. All loved by God, and I hope we love them. And the men, the, you know who the biggest person you need to love is? Yourself. Look in a mirror. So many times we don't love ourselves, friends. And I'm here to tell you, I love every one of you. You know why? You are my brother and sister in Christ. So I love you. And I hope we love each other. It's all about Jesus. Keep Jesus as your center. And Jesus takes care of everything. Do it on your own? I give you two words. Good luck. <laughs> See, good luck is when you go to the 7-Eleven and you buy a, a lottery ticket. What does the clerk say to you? Good luck. They know you're going to lose. You know you're going to lose. But they still say good luck, and we still buy the ticket. I buy them. You know, when we do that, I have a friend of mine, oh, you know, I'll only buy a ticket when it's at 100 million. Like, you'd be upset if you won 70 million, you know, for a dollar. <laughs> so friends, don't, when you just use luck on lottery tickets. Don't use luck when it comes to Jesus.
Keep Jesus in your heart, love yourself, and love others, and love God. It's that simple. How good it is that we are here. So I want to thank you. Thank you for saying yes to all of you, whether you've been here. Many of you have been here three nights, whether two nights or one night. All of those who are joining us on live stream, let's wave to them. Hello, everyone. Hello. I hope you're waving back at us, okay? So, friends, we're all in this together. Don't we have an awesome God? Don't we? We're all in this together. Let's never forget that. And let's use the seven sacraments, the treasures of our faith, to help us get through life. And we don't need any good luck unless we go to 7-Eleven. But when we walk in this church, we know we are loved. And we are called to love others. Amen? Amen. Amen. So, thank you. And at this time, we're going to have, uh, um, have you stand for our prayers of petition, prayers of the faithful. Good and gracious God, we now offer to you our prayers and our petitions. For Pope Francis and all bishops, may the Holy Spirit be their strength as they shepherd the faithful closer to his heart. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. For national and local leaders, may the Lord be their guide in their efforts to promote the sanctity of life. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. For all who are experiencing grief or loss, may the consolation of the Holy Spirit be upon them. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. For each of us gathered here, may the grace of the Easter season help us faithfully live out our baptismal mission of being priest, prophet, and king. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. For all who have died, especially those who have died alone or have no one else to pray for them. Let us pray for the Lord, to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. And let us pray our special intention for the deceased Augustinian priest in their order. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. And for all the people that are remembered in this stole, for all who have ever been with us together in this church or in whatever the churches we've been to, we pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. And for all of our young people here, may God touch you and touch your heart, and may you listen and follow him. We pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. Good and gracious God, thank you. Thank you for listening. Help us to accept the answers you send. We ask all this in your most holy name. Amen. Amen. And at this time, we'll take the collection for the Ray and Millie McCarthy Charitable Fund. Those online, please give online, FatherTomMcCarthy.com. Thank you in advance for your generosity. We sing number 619, Come to the Water, number 619.
pray, sisters and brothers, that my sacrifice and yours may be acceptable to God, the Almighty Father. Amen. O God, who by the wonderful exchange effected in this sacrifice have made us partakers of the one supreme Godhead, grant, we pray, that as we have come to know your truth, we may make it ours by a worthy way of life, through Christ our Lord. Amen. The Lord be with you. Amen. Lift up your hearts. Amen. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is truly right and just, our duty and our salvation at all times to acclaim you, O Lord. But in this time, above all, to laud you yet more gloriously when Christ, our Passover, has been sacrificed. Through him the children of light rise to eternal life, and the halls of the heavenly kingdom are thrown open to the faithful. For his death is our ransom from death, and in his rising is life, this life, and in his rising the life of all has risen. Therefore, overcome with paschal joy. Every land, every people exalts in your praise. And even the heavenly powers with the angelic hosts sing together the unending hymn of your glory as they acclaim. Indeed, holy, O Lord, the font of all holiness, make holy, therefore, these gifts, we pray, by sending down your Spirit upon them like the dewfall, so that they may become for us the body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. At the time he was betrayed and entered willingly into his passion, he took bread and giving thanks broken, and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take this, all of you, and eat of it, for this is my body, which will be given up for you. In a similar way, when supper was ended, he took the chalice, and once more giving thanks, he gave it to his disciples, saying, Take this, all of you, and drink from it. For this is the chalice of my blood, the blood of the new and eternal covenant, which will be poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this in memory of me. The mystery of faith.
Therefore, as we celebrate the memorial of his death and resurrection, we offer you, Lord, the bread of life and the chalice of salvation, giving thanks that you have held us worthy to be in your presence and minister to you. Humbly we pray that partaking of the body and blood of Christ, we may be gathered into one by the Holy Spirit. Remember, Lord, your church spread throughout the world and bring her to the fullness of charity, together with Francis, our Pope, and David, our Bishop, and all the clergy, religious, and faithful. Remember also our brothers and sisters who have fallen asleep in the hope of the resurrection and all who have died in your mercy. Welcome them into the light of your face. Have mercy on us all, we pray, that with the blessed Virgin Mary, Mother of God and our Mother of Good Counsel, with blessed Joseph, her spouse, with the blessed Apostles, with St. Augustine, St. Monica, St. Rita, St. Bridget, and all the saints who have pleased you throughout the ages. We may merit to be co-heirs to eternal life and may praise and glorify you through your Son, Jesus Christ. Through him and with him and in him, O God, Almighty Father, in the unity of the Holy Spirit, all glory and honor is yours forever and ever. At the Savior's command, informed by divine teaching, we dare to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Deliver us, Lord, we pray, from every evil. Graciously grant peace in our days, that by the help of your mercy we may be always free from sin and safe from all distress as we await the blessed hope and the coming of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Lord Jesus Christ, who said to your apostles, Peace I leave you, my peace I give you. Look not on our sins, but on the faith of your church and graciously grant her peace and unity in accordance with your will, who live and reign forever and ever. Amen. Peace of the Lord be with you always. Let's share that peace with one another. Peace, guys.
Behold the Lamb of God. Behold him who takes away the sins of the world. Blessed are those called to the supper of the Lamb. Lord, I'm not worthy that you should enter under my roof, but only say the word, my soul shall be healed. See what you believe in and become what you receive.
Let us pray. I have chosen you, O God, who by the... I should get the glasses out again, I'm sorry. (laughs) Graciously be present to your people, we pray, O Lord, and lead those you have imbued with heavenly mysteries to pass from former ways to newness of life. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. Please be seated. I just wanted to uh, briefly... uh, Extend uh, words of thanks to Father Tom for being with us for our Easter Parish mission and uh, thank you for the wisdom he shared and hopefully the graces that uh, we received to help each one of us on the, uh, on the journey of faith. So uh, thank you, Father Tom, for being guys with us. And thanks also for all the volunteers who uh, participated. And uh, so feel free to stop uh, after Mass. We have uh, hospitality in each of the rooms, so uh, please stop and back after, after Mass. God bless all of you. Thank you, Monsignor, and I want to thank Monsignor because he's the one who invited me. So thank you and mm-hmm. thanks for your hospitality and the hospitality of your staff. And I, I just want to also add my thanks to the staff, to your staff, the parish staff, all the volunteers musicians, readers, ushers, those who helped me at the table. Uh, To anyone who's had anything to do, thank you. And that's what it means to be parish, to be there for and with each other. Oh, to our servers, too. Don't want to forget the servers. So, uh, and to our live stream. So thank you, and to everyone that's at home, thank you. So I hope our paths will cross again. I hope that uh, we'll continue to live out the seven sacraments. And remember to bring Jesus to people and people to Jesus. That's what our life is all about. And uh, I I do know you're going to be seeing in the bulletin this week, right? A little surprise about a little visit. So should I tell them or let them think? I could tell them? Okay. On June 7th, your parish is sponsoring a uh, a one-day trip to the St. Rita Shrine where I'm at in Chicago. So if you want to go and uh, to spend a day in prayer with your fellow parishioners, uh, the invitation is going out this weekend in the bulletin. So uh, thank you to Debbie and to Monsignor for doing that. Uh, and I look forward to seeing you all. And the, the shrine, you're always welcome, uh, especially for uh, St. Rita's Feast Day. We do nine days of a nine-day novena leading up to her feast day. So from May 13th, through May 21st is the Novena of Preparation. It's a 7 p.m. Mass each night. You are welcome. It's at St. Rita High School, 77th and Western. It's a little bit of a ride, but I did it to come out here. So, uh, And then on her feast day, May 22nd, it's a Monday this year, we have a 10 a.m. Mass and a 7 p.m. Mass with the distribution of blessed St. Rita roses. So you are always welcome. And you can check our shrine out, St. Rita Shrine, chicago.com so thank you you know people ask do i ever get tired of doing these parish missions i said i get tired but not tired of doing them you know why because i get to meet you and i've never been to a place where i haven't met unbelievable people my brothers and sisters you that if i had to stay that i would be upset and saint bridget's again has proven that so and senior thank you for inviting me thank you to all of you 
and everyone live stream who have been here these three nights and let us continue to know that we are loved and now go out and love others. Amen? Amen. Amen. So please stand for our final blessing. The Lord be with you. Almighty God bless you, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Go forth. Our Mass is ended, but our mission continues. Thanks be to God. We sing number 572, Alleluia, Alleluia, give thanks. Number 572.